Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of our new series, which is mini-sode episodes where once a week Tama and I will be covering a story of either an Indigenous or Black person's death in custody or by police hands or just general stories of police brutality. So just like a little bit of housekeeping just because this is the first episode and I kind of want to just quickly go over, I guess, the idea behind this series. This is going to be a bit different from our regular series, so not as, I guess, light-hearted. Um, it won't be so much Tama and I putting our personal opinions or personal spins on stuff. It will be just us literally presenting the facts of a case in a bit more of a verbatim way because we both feel and we've both been kind of shocked in the past two weeks how little, especially for Indigenous deaths in custody, how little media attention they get and how little we actually, as white people and as people who aren't part of the Indigenous community, Mm -hmm. how little we knew about these cases. So we thought this was a good opportunity, however small our platform may be, to help educate People just like us and bring a bit more awareness yeah, to these stories. To, to further educate ourselves and hopefully the people who listen to our podcast. And, you know, we would love to expand to to more and more ears and and educate people as much as we can who are like us, who were mostly ignorant to the the, yeah. the issues that are happening within our own country. Yeah, and obviously this is our first episode of this particular series we're wanting to keep it as respectful as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you have any sort of feedback, if you think there's something we can do better, something we should say, something we shouldn't say. Yeah. Like we're we're aware um, there's a lot of topics and names that want to be kept. uh, They don't want to be... People don't want to be named out of cultural reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of sensitivity because especially with Indigenous people... There is such a huge cultural mm-hmm. history that we couldn't possibly understand that plays into so much of the yeah. reason why a lot of Indigenous people um, don't like having photos of people who've been deceased being shown and things like that. So again, we're learning. We're just looking to try and use our little platform as best we can. So any feedback is welcomed. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about an Australian story, which is actually only from 2017. And the reason I specifically wanted to talk about this story was I was shocked when I realized that this story is only from the end of 2017. So this is only roughly two years ago. And I cannot recall hearing about it in the news, seeing it on my social media. Like it was just not something that was talked about. And I thought... That said a lot about our media landscape and the way we treat Indigenous deaths in custody. The fact that it just kind of was swept under the rug. The inquest for this death was actually April this year. And I didn't see... Obviously, the media has been very filled with coronavirus. But I didn't see anything about this in the media. Did you? No. Yeah. Not at all. So I'm going to be talking about um, the death of Indigenous woman Tanya Day... In custody. Again, it's not going to be me trying to put my spin on it or my opinion. I'm literally just going to be. These are the pure facts of what The facts of the story. Mm -hmm. 
So on the 22nd of December 2017, Tanya Day died after sustaining a serious head injury in a police cell. She was only 55 years old. On December 5th, 2017, Ms. Day arrived at a train station and bought a ticket to Melbourne. During the journey, Ms. Day was approached by a ticket inspector from Vic Line or Victoria Line. He was quoted as saying that Ms. Day was being, quote, unruly, lying with her feet blocking the aisleway. There are conflicting reports about this with other passengers saying that they didn't absorb, ab- observe rather any sort of abnormal behaviour. The ticket inspector called the police and Ms. Day was ejected from the train and was arrested for being drunk in a public place, which is an actual offence in Victoria. Mm-hmm. In a lot of other states in Australia, it's not yeah. uh, an offence that you can be arrested or taken into custody for. So Ms. Day was taken to Castlemaine Police Station and detained in a police cell. Now, police are required to physically check people who are being detained every 30 minutes and they're also required to do what's called like to rouse people. So go in and physically make sure someone's conscious, make sure they've not like received a concussion because you know when you have concussions, it's very important to stay awake. Mm -hmm. So at around 4.50pm, the police check on Tanya a check that you can see on the CCTV, which lasts for around seven seconds and consists of them peering through the window of a closed door at her in her cell. The CCTV footage shows that around 5 o'clock p.m., Ms. Day fell and hit her head on the concrete wall of the police cell. After this, Ms. Day does not stand up again. CCTV footage shows her hitting her head at least five times inside the holding cell. Another physical check is done approximately 40 minutes after the one at 4.50. Again, this only consists of the officer peering through the door for a total of four seconds. At the inquest into her death, the officer who completed the check commented that Ms. Day was, quote, in an undignified position for a lady and that he didn't want to be caught leering at her. Police logs show that between 5.35pm and 8pm, she was checked only once through the cell doors and three times on the CCTV monitor. When a physical check takes place at 8.03pm, police notice a dark oval-shaped bruise on Ms. Day's forehead. An ambulance is called and attends the police station, and Tanya is then taken by ambulance to Bendigo Hospital. A scan reveals a massive bleed on Ms. Day's brain, and she's flown by helicopter to St. Vincent's Hospital in Melbourne, where she undergoes emergency surgery. Ms. Day dies 17 days later. At the inquest into her death, Coroner Caitlin English said the quality of the cell checks on Ms. Day during the four hours that she was in custody did not meet the Victoria Police manual guidelines. Ms. English also noted that police who responded to the V-line call at Castlemaine Station did not deal with her medical situation adequately. The officer said that Ms. Day was saying, quote, meaningless and unintelligible things on the train, which Ms. English said warranted a coma scale three response, which would have meant taking her to the hospital or otherwise seeking emergency medical treatment. The coroner also advised that she believes unconscious bias was a factor for Ms. Day being reported to the police in the first place, stating she was the only sleeping passenger that the particular V-line employer had ever called police to remove from the train although he's been quoted as saying he comes across three sleeping passengers a week and that is a very recent story from Australian news 
Okay. Um, so just before I get into uh, my topics, I want to just give a quick shout out to the Deadly Connections organization, which is run by um, Keenan Mundine and Carly Stanley. Keenan Mundine, who has spent uh, around about half of his life incarceration, um, he has he, he he is involved with a lot of um, uh, community outreach programs, which help you know children and who are Aboriginal and Indigenous to you know try and educate them and keep them from um, getting into situations that a lot of Aboriginal kids have gotten into with police, unfortunately. So I would definitely um, give them a shout out to take a look at that organization. Um, and I just wanted to go over a few facts because I think we're seeing a lot of people for some reason trying to dispute Indigenous Australians and African-American deaths in custody and at the hands of police officers. For some reason, I don't know why people decide that they need to defend the... They need to argue against these deaths. But anyway, I just wanted to go over... In in the US, African-Americans make up of 14% of the general population. In prison populations, they make up 34%. Um, and in Australia, a huge argument we're seeing by people trying to dispute the deaths in custody is that well, Aboriginal and Indigenous Australians only make up 27% of the prison population. And while that is true, the Indigenous Australians make up over just just under 3% of the general population. Mm. So it's not really an argument at all. And to, to go further into that, Indigenous Australians are the most incarcerated people on earth per capita. So, I mean, there's no real argument here. Um, so, I just wanted to go into the circumstances surrounding Thomas Hickey, otherwise known as TJ Hickey. Um, a lot of the circumstances around his death were have been disputed. On the morning of Saturday 14th of February 2004, 17-year-old Aboriginal Australian uh, Thomas Hickey was riding his bicycle downhill when a police vehicle was patrolling nearby. According to NSW police, he collided with a protruding gutter and was flung into the air and impaled on a 1.2 meter high fence outside a block of units on Phillips Street, Waterloo, causing penetrating injuries of the neck and chest. Police officers at the scene administered first aid until New South Wales ambulance officers arrived. Hickey died with his family by his side early on the 15th of February, the next day, 2004. So a large proportion of the inquest centered around on whether the police were pursuing Hickey or they were following him. At the conclusion of the coronial inquest, New South Wales Police Commissioner Ken Moroni was interviewed by uh, on ABC Radio and gave his explanation on of the distinction. I think if you, and to quote him, I think if you were to ask the person on the street the definition between, not a concise Oxford defi- 
dictionary definition. But if you were to ask somebody their interpretation of being followed and being pursued, I think they are two distinct and clear actions. Being followed, I think, in the ordinary layman's mind, creates a particular image. Being pursued by police creates a completely different picture, and clearly there was no evidence that Mr. Hickey was being pursued in the normal definition of that word. Maroney supported the driver of the police truck, Senior Constable Michael Hollingsworth, in his refusal to give evidence, both maintained this was a normal civilian riot. So, it goes on... Police, they they supposedly arrived at the scene quickly with Constable Hollingsworth and Reynolds arriving a few minutes after the first police vehicle. Thomas was hanging by his shirt and was seen not to be impaled but in a serious condition. Police immediately rendered first aid and were unable to save him as the injury was probably, and to quote, they referred to it as, the injury was probably not survivable. At no time was police rescue or New South Wales ambulance caught off from attending. Evidence exists of Hollingsworth making numerous calls for ETA or for ambulance paramedics. When ambulance officers arrive, Hollingsworth and Reynolds helped move Thomas into an ambulance. A female cousin of Hickey made herself known to Hollingsworth and accompanied both Hollingsworth and Reynolds to the police truck when they left the scene, escorting the ambulance to the Children's Hospital of Ramwick. Upon arriving at the hospital, Hollingsworth and Reynolds waited at the accident and emergency department. Sometime after, Hollingsworth and Reynolds, still waiting at the hospital for TJ's family, were ordered away by a hospital social worker, possibly because Hollingsworth was covered in blood and might have upset the family members of the, and members of the public. There was an outstanding arrest warrant in his name, but police have consistently, consistently maintained that the patrol car was searching for a different individual, wanted in connection with a violent bag snatch at Redfern Railway Station earlier the same day. However, the Hickey family and supporters dispute this version of events, claiming that witnesses saw Hickey's bike clipped by the police car, thus propelling him onto the fence. This claim was not supported by the testimony of two Aboriginal liaison officers to a New South Wales parliamentary inquiry into the death, though neither of the officers were present at the scene. One of the officers... In fact, was later convicted of murder and arson, an act for which he blamed police. Despite calls calls to reopen the the coronial inquest, the New South Wales government has, of 2020, refused to do so. So I think that's basically what these episodes are going to be. They're not necessarily meant to be... Entertaining or, entertaining or discussed. These are the facts as they We're been. also presenting the facts and then leaving it up to you, the listener, to kind of mull and digest it and do your own research. But I think for us it's important because, again, these are cases that we as white Australians were not particularly aware of. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be things that are particularly covered in mainstream media. And I think it's really important that we outline the base facts and then allow you to kind of do your own research. So we're presenting them not in a way that's putting our mm. spin as I th- I think, white um, people on it. I think somewhat to give context to the protests and the outcry from the Indigenous Australian community. Yeah, exactly. I think just to 
for those who don't understand or don't know why and haven't really bothered to look into it, it's or perhaps don't know all the details of situations, I think this is something that we want to implement with our media outlet to provide these yeah. facts yeah. and these um, details. Um, in both cases today, clearly there's something going on within... A this, racial this, bias. Yeah, of course. And the Australian police... There's yeah. something not quite right, and some like it. That's the know. thing about both those stories. It gets to the point where there's just something that doesn't quite sit right. No, and for for mine with TJ, the the police officer at the scene was later convicted of arson and fucking murder. Yeah, what does that say about the but people on the the credibility of the of yeah the New South Wales police in this regard is just completely out the window from that mm. alone let alone the witnesses saying they saw the police card clipping TJ off of his bike. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we're going to do these little mini episodes every week. If you have any feedback on the structure of the episodes or how we presented it, um, we would love to hear from you and we would really strongly encourage you to do your own research mm-hmm. into both the stories of TJ and Tanya because they're stories that really deserve to be told on much more of a larger platform than yeah. the one that we have. Of course. But um, With all respects to yeah. family members and people who were involved or witnessed such things. But again, the inquest into Tanya's the, um, was in April 2020. Yeah. And I don't recall seeing... No. No, I check the news every day when I'm at work. I don't recall seeing one single article about it. No. I mean, barely anything even about the Black Lives Matters movement. Yeah. I mean, all we're seeing at the moment is the movement itself. Someone tested positive for COVID. Yeah. That's all the fucking media outlet will talk about. Not yeah, anything we, to do with the we movement. En- we encourage you to do your own research, to do research from multiple sources, not just the first one that pops up on Google. Yeah. Try and find multiple unbiased resources when it comes to researching these particular topics. Mm-hmm. And we're going to call it there, I think. Thank you for listening. Yeah, check out the show notes and the description will have Oh, yeah, we'll be leaving links. links that you can donate to appropriate. Um, we'll, because we're an Australian based people i'd say the links we were providing will be mainly for australian based charities that help Mm -hmm. indigenous people however if you are listening from another country we'd still encourage you to donate yeah and let us know if there's anything you're passionate about and that you feel a strong connection to to the want to donate to and to support um yeah we'd love to hear from you specifically, as well, if you're in you know Canada or the states or somewhere else that has um, a similar story, we would love to hear from you. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah, thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your week. Mm.